This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm your host Chris Hamling and my panel and I will take you through our views on Palace's 2-2 draw at the London Stadium. An abject first half showing turned into a superb second half display as Vieira's Eagles showed real signs of kicking on against Moy's confident hammers. And with me on that panel, I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Nick Gillard. You alright? Hello Nick. Yeah, I'm marvellous. I'm, Absolutely uh, marvellous. And I, uh, also, oh, on. I just saw on Twitter just before we came on Michael Gove raving last night and I just can't unsee it. Can you imagine it? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, is that, is that been, is that, is that the same Michael Gove raving thing that's been doing the rounds for a while or is it a new thing? It was a new thing last night in Edinburgh or Aberdeen or somewhere. Um, yeah, he, he, he lagged his way into a club saying I'm the Duke, I'm the, Dutchy or the whatever he is, managed to miss out paying the five pounds. <laughs> we all know what he is. Yeah, above a pub, and then somebody's put on Twitter him dancing, and he really does look like Mr. Bean dancing. But I can't unsee it. So yeah, I'm so- watching your cat in the background to help me through this, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I, I I currently have got my screen, so I can't see my own face. So I'm not quite sure what Bruce is doing in the background, but um, I'm happy that he's on camera. Let me just... Oh, yeah, he's, he's all right. He's he's fairly calm at the moment. Um, you can also see a TV, can't you? Anyway, we'll uh, we'll make sure we edit that if we use any of these clips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, also on the panel, Chris Clark. Hello, Chris. Hello, Chris. You right? Yeah, good. How are you, uh, how are you feeling? How's things? Yeah, not too bad. Um, didn't get too hungover, or didn't get too drunk, and therefore not too hungover after the game. Um, it was a, a nice celebration, but you know, capped it off responsibly. So, well, those things are inherently linked, aren't they? You can avoid hangovers by avoiding getting too drunk, which is uh, <laughs> which is always key, isn't it? And I like to educate people who listen to this show. You're, you know, you're. There's some interesting content, some some stuff you might laugh at, but we also want to teach you, and that was a teachable moment. So, thanks for that, Chris. Yeah, please drink responsibly. <laughs> right. Okay, on we go. So as always, we'll start with a very quick news roundup of things in and around the palace. Uh, what's the word? What's the word? The palace? Universe. Zone? Zeitgeist? Whatever. I don't know. Milieu. 
Amelia, thank you so much. That's perfect. Um, so, and then we'll take you into some game discussion. Uh, won't be won't be our tremendously long efforts that we were doing last season. We're trying to keep these shows shorter and sharper, and hopefully that's going down well with you guys at home. But first up, um, we want to start with the news that well, Nick, our very own Albert Curley, um, appeared on on six oh six this week, and and you wanted to talk a little bit about how that went. Yeah, it was very good. It was one of them one-minute quick-fire question things, and he was up against uh, an Arsenal supporting chap, um, and Albert absolutely trounced him with the questions. But um, you can you can listen back on the six oh six. It it was about six twenty-five because it does the times on the old uh, BBC Sounds app. Um, but Albert was his usual um, funny self. Um, one of the questions was, "Who's going to win silverware, Arsenal?" or Crystal Palace, and Albert said, I've got more chance of winning silverware than either of them. You know, so that that's the kind of <laughs> kind of thing that he'll come out with. Um, the, the question was North London or South London, and the Arsenal fan actually went for South London. So, you know. <laughs> well, there you go. That's, um, I think that, that tells a story in itself, doesn't it? So um, there you go. Um, Next up in the news, uh, Palace under 23s uh, won 3-1. Uh, there was a great strike from, from Raksaki, who's still you know, really developing at quite a rapid rate. Um, very, very impressive at the moment. And a couple of goals from Rob Street, his first couple of the season, although, of course, it's early days. Uh, a, a great win there. And, um, you know, really, really impressed by the, by the, the under 23s. Obviously, we had a bit of change there with the fact that, um, that Sean Derry's gone up to the to the first team coaching role. So Paddy's taken over the 23s and Rob Quinn has stepped in for the 18s who we'll talk about in a minute. But Nick, you caught a fair bit of this. Yeah, yeah. A um, couple of things I want to say. Uh, Whitworth, the goalie, uh, has saved three penalties in a row, which is unbelievable. Um, Raksaki was head and shoulders above everybody on the pitch. And if I was Vieira, I'd be, I'd be sticking him in the first team squad to start. He's just that good. Um, also, plan to look out for is the right back, Robertson. Um, he seemed calm, assured, and was also very, very good at getting forward. So, you know, there's, there's options in the youth. And being the yeah, player, well, seems to like the youth, um, hopefully, mm. as well as new players that we, we should be bringing in before Tuesday, we can, we can rely on some of those. But um, it was a very assured performance against an Everton side who we didn't really let get out of the blocks. And um, Mark Bright only said give and go mm. seven times well, in the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, he, he, he does love that phrase. No, you, it's interesting you pick Robertson out. You know, Sean Robertson is, is similar to um, to Wan Bissaka in the sense that you know he was very much a, a right winger um, and, and really well regarded at Palace for for a very long time throughout his youth career and then and had the you know the age old problem a bunch of injuries in quick succession really struggled to get you know back into playing regular football for quite some time and I'm fascinated to see him sort of come back into things and playing as a as a right back and and obviously they're you know they're trying that that experiment if you like that happened with Wampasaka and he must have a bit about him defensively and um that you know that could be a way forward for him because you know, at one stage, you know, he was he was right up there with with the prospects that we had, and whilst we got some great prospects coming through at the eighteens, it's always good uh, if they can kick on. And then, you know, again, you just look at Raksaki and the the benefit of not just sticking him on the bench here and there and never using him, but he's had first team minutes 
Um, you know, something we complained about over the last few years, not seeing players who might have a chance getting at least an opportunity to make their debut to, you know, to perform at Premier League level. And him going back into the under-23s does a couple of things, doesn't it? It gives him confidence, first and foremost. But it also makes him hungry because he now knows he's got to go back. When he gets back into the under-23s, he's got to do what he did. He's got to stand out. He's got to be the best player on the pitch. He's got to contribute. And, and I think there's no surprise that he went and did that, scored an absolute screamer. Uh, and similar with Rob Street, been in and around the, the first-team squad in pre-season uh, and, and a couple of goals. He's capable of you know of scoring regularly he's a fantastic forward to lead the line great touch you know physically a very very good striker uh, a bit of a throwback as as gets talked about a lot by the palace coaching staff but great to see him get to as well and Chris the 18s I know unfortunately didn't catch it neither did I but uh, three wins in a row for the 18s uh, beating West Brom this time 3-2 it was a late goal from Joe Ling uh, to win it late on um, uh, Mooney with a cross for that one uh, but it's Akam Wale has, has had that opportunity with Amalabu moving up. Um, another couple of goals for him. I don't know if you've seen much of him, Chris, but he's uh, he's a real talent. He's a, he's a good physical striker. But, you know, thinking about the fact the 18s have had a, a changing coach as well, it bodes really well for us, doesn't they, that they've started the season so well? Absolutely. We pride ourselves on, you know, the fact that we bring these players through. Um, over the last few years, they haven't got, first team minutes as you've alluded to earlier on for reasons that we won't go into now um but it's definitely a positive to see you know these players kicking on doing performing well week in week out and you know hopefully they'll get more opportunities in in the weeks and months ahead and we'll get get to talk more about that in future shows absolutely and finally just worth mentioning everyone will be aware i'm sure at home but we managed to buy will hughes from watford um I did laugh when uh, Albert tweeted a picture of Will Hughes alongside a picture of someone shielding their eyes from the sun because you know he uh, you know he has a look about him very very blonde shall we say um, but um, a very interesting signing for us so I, I think a lot of him as a player you know whenever we've played against him you know the the work rate has been the thing that I've noticed first and foremost he's extremely hardworking. A lot of people, for some reason, have been saying on Twitter that they think of Johnny Williams when they think of Will Hughes. But, you know, the two are very different, you know, in, in the sense that Will Hughes is a, you know, physically a, a much more imposing figure. I think he's about six one something like that. So he's got a bit of height about him. Um, but, you know, he has that hard work, but he's also a very, very talented player. I remember him coming through the ranks at Derby. Uh, but interestingly, to read on the the Palace site this week that he was originally born in Surrey, so he's he's technically a local boy as well. So, um, Dave, Chris, you got some thoughts on that signing? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll be frank. I mean, who among us wants a Watford player, you know, playing in the red and blue? But at the same time, if it's got to be a Watford player or a player who's been at Watford in the past, then you know. Will Hughes might be the man. I, I must say, I, I did just you know, Wikipedia him earlier on just to see um, you know, some of the highlights of his career so far. And um, one of the things that's, that jumped at me, one was that he'd had an unfortunate ACL injury earlier in his career. Um, he's described as a flair player, but interestingly, you know, clearly goals aren't really what he's at. He's obviously more about the assists and so forth because he's got, I think it was eight goals in 110 appearances odd at Watford. Um, but the other thing um, that made me laugh was literally just in terms of the stats um, and the, the little text summaries, it just said, um, Will Hughes signed for Watford on this date? And then there's nothing else until Will Hughes, Will Hughes signed for Palace on this date. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> yeah, did, did nothing at Watford. There you go. <laughs> well, go on, Nick. What I like about him, I mean, he stood out from when he first started. Whether it, I don't know if he's actually albino or not, but that shock of blonde hair is going to make him stand out anyway. But he's tenacious, isn't he? And he's going to get into other midfielders' play, uh, faces and rile them and niggle them. And we need a bit of that, I think. Um, although Luca's got the, he's from Serbia, he'll murder you. He's actually a bit too nice, isn't he? So we want somebody to rile up the opposition mm. and, and maybe lead to some, some yellow or red cards going for us rather than mm. against us. Yeah, it's that old trope, isn't it? Of, um, you know, of, of, you know, players who can kind of mix it up and, um, you know, and just add, competition i suppose you know i've said it a few times over the years when you know we always ask the question about getting a play you know you've got to try and get a player who's who's better than what you've got but sometimes it's about you know it's just as valid to have a player who is a bit different to what you got gives you different options but also as competition you think about luca club captain you know who's really been pushing him over the last couple of years for his place in the squad not too many think about gyro who's, who's sidelined at the moment and you know, how's he going to get back in that side? He's going to have to work a lot harder, especially with someone else coming in there. You know, we've got to look to the future about, you know, James McArthur can't play week in, week out the way he is. You know, started the season really well, really important uh, in, in all of our games this season. And But he's not going to be able to do that every single week. And we saw under under Hodgson with, you know, he, he trusted McArthur and rightly so, but sometimes played him into the ground and, um, you know, he lost effectiveness. So all of these things are really good reasons why we went out and got Will Hughes. But to me, he gives us something that, that little bit different and, and it really does appeal to me. And it just goes back to something I've said probably for 10 years on this show that you cannot get enough players in your side who are really comfortable with receiving the ball no matter where. You know, I, I always go back to, to Michael Hughes when we got him and the fact that we pretty much had a squad of players who didn't like getting the football. And at the time he came in, he was he was one who stood out a mile because you could pass the ball to him in any situation. He'd control it with his first touch and he'd be comfortable enough to find someone else with it with his second touch. And, you know, whilst we've got a much better squad these days and, and more capability in there, it's still adding that comfort, adding someone who can turn. And look at the impact of Gallagher. We'll talk about him for most of this show, I'm sure. But the impact of him with that energy, that mobility, bringing someone else like Will Hughes who can come in and do that. And, and you know, let's not avoid the issue because Watford fans were gutted to lose him. There's a few out there, you know, it's kind of split 50-50 between people who would admit they're gutted and people who won't. But, you know, he was he was fantastic for them last season and, and a little bit of the season before, I think it was. Um, you know, absolutely tremendous for them and, uh, and, and a, you know, a big miss for them. So, you know, really, really good signing for us and, and plenty of reasons to feel positive, but hopefully still a bit more business to go because that squad shaping up nicely if everyone's fit. But right now we've, you know, we've seen a difficult start to the season and a big part of that is because not, you know, we don't have the, the luxury of selecting from all of our players right now. And, you know, Eze sticks out a mile, you know, Elisa is one we've not been out to select yet. And, you know, when you cannot select confident, creative, talented players, you know, it really asks a lot of everybody else. So anyway, um, on to talking about the game. And this game was kind of a, a, a microcosm of that, about what we need to do to to stand out, to compete at this level when we can't select all of our best players for a game. And, um, you know, West Ham quite rightly, uh, uh, you know, should be thought of as a, as a very good team right now, a very confident team. Finished last season fantastically, been 
brilliant at the start of this season as well. So it was always going to be a tough game for us. And I suppose, you know, Chris, Nick, you guys were at the game. I was at home, uh, still still shielding away from all the crowds. And, you know, that first half, let's just, you know, sum it up really. Very, very tough to watch. I'll start with you, Chris. Yeah, it wasn't our finest hour. Um, you know, I mean... I think it's important to, you know, focus on the fact that, you know, we didn't concede until 39 minutes, but we did concede. And, you know, it, it wasn't as different to the previous management as I would have perhaps liked to see. You know, we've all been arguing for a change of style. Um, and there were clearly things that had changed and things that hadn't changed. Um, but, you know, we were, we were still playing really, really deep. We were still um, looking quite, we, we we lacked confidence on the ball, and we we certainly weren't moving it quickly enough. And you know there were there were real weaknesses in that setup. It tightened up in the second half, as we'll come to. Um, but it was no great surprise when we fell behind eventually, because we were inviting them onto us. They had all the possession and all of the um, you know all of the attacking intent. We only had a couple of minutes in that first forty before they scored, where we even looked like having a go. So no great surprise to me when we went behind. Indeed, and, um, and and Nick, for yourself, you know the the lineup that, that got announced. Um, you know, obviously, not no great surprises in there, um, but obviously, with, with IU starting you know, again in the, in the attack, the kind of it's supposed to you know look like a four three three. But at times, certainly the first half, I guess the formation looked a little different. It looked a little bit, you know, Ward was tucking in, Mitchell was a little further up. Um, but you know, the balance of play was it? Do you think it was more a case that? You know, West Ham starting as confidently as they are. The fact that we're still in this transitional period, so it does look a little bit like a Hodgson team, as Chris was talking about. It still looks like that at times. Um, how much of how much of that was West Ham, and how much of that was Palace not doing the right things? Um, about fifty-fifty. Uh, West Ham are a good team. They've got some very, very good players, and um, they weren't top of the table for for nothing. You know, they they trounced Leicester the game before, um, the fact we held on for so long showed that we're doing something well. I mean, the most familiar Hodgson-esque thing was our staticness and lack of movement off the ball when we had the ball. We were good when we didn't have the ball, but when we had the ball, there was no, there were no runners. There were, and um, I'm going to invoke the spirit of give and go brighter here, but we didn't have enough give and go. Um, Vieira alluded to it uh, when he said in his halftime talk that he wanted players or the ball to be played into space, whereas we were more playing the ball to feet. And if you've got players not moving, it's easier for the opposition to actually stop the ball going to, mm. to feet. What I will say to Chris, though, is that what is different is the fact that we are passing a hell of a lot more now. I mean, we've, we've got about a third more passes per game compared to under Hodgson. Okay, a lot of it is at the back and playing backwards, but we are looking to keep possession. We are looking mm-hmm. to play out the back. Um, it's unfamiliar. As I said in the last show, you know, we've got three or four years of that to undo and for players to get used to. Um, as for picking IU, I think he was he was brought in simply because of how well he did when he was brought on as an impact sub in the game against... Um, mm-hmm. Bournemouth, I think it was, and um, he wanted to show intent that actually, come on, Gaffer, pick me. Um, 
interesting later on in the game that uh, Schlupp came on for MacArthur. MacArthur, yeah, MacArthur. But I mean, we'll come on to that later. But yeah, <laughs> with the confidence thing, and, and it'll, um, I'll move us on to the second half. Once we scored, suddenly we thought, oh, we can do this. And that made a hell of a difference, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it did. And, and th- sometimes that whole thing makes a complete mockery of this entire show, doesn't it? Because we spend all day talking about the tactical setup, the movement, you know, who was doing it, who was doing the right thing, have we selected the right players? But ultimately, sometimes all it takes is a goal to remind you that it's sometimes it's bravery and confidence that's the difference. Uh, and you're absolutely right, Nick. That made a, a huge, huge difference. Getting, you know, Conor Gallagher putting the ball in the net visibly took a weight off everybody's shoulders. And all of a sudden, you know, it was a team that thought, oh, you know, we can score goals. Uh, we had a midfielder break into the box and and, and put the ball in the net. Um, you know, and, and West Ham almost looked like, well, they looked like they didn't expect it. I suppose perhaps, perhaps for good reason um, recently. But, that, you know, it did make a huge difference. Yeah, I've just had a quick look at the whoscored.com um, mm. and the strengths and weaknesses. Uh, interestingly, it says West Ham have no strengths, neither do they have any weaknesses. Um, Crystal Palace's weaknesses listed here uh, committed a high number of individual errors, which which to me says, actually, yeah, it's, it's fitting to a new system. And once we get used to that new system mm-hmm. and embed it a bit more, we should be all right. Now, whether, whether the international break helps us to get that embedded more in our in our play or whether it'll be a downfall to kind of stop the impetus that we've got. I don't know. But um, again, we've still got more players to mm. come in. But I'll be more... more exactly right. I suppose I'm going to... Yeah. I'm going to sort of break away from, from the plan a little bit here, Chris, and, and ask you this question. Because, you know, Nick's kind of put, put it into my head when we start talking about the time it will take for people to bed in. We start talking about that. When you when you look at not just not just Palace fans, because there are serious, some, definitely some Palace fans who already don't seem to want Vieira to succeed, but also picking it up in the media, there's been a tremendous amount of negativity from a lot of ex-players, you know, now working as pundits. Um, not Weirdly, it's, it's been mainly ex-players who say, you know, Palace are going down this year. They, you know, they've they're going down the Deboru. Really lazy commentary on, on the situation at Palace. Do you think? Do you think that there's a genuine subconscious bias against Patrick Vieira succeeding for whatever reason? Well, I, I mean, he's not. He, I mean, let, let's be crude. He doesn't look like a Premier League football manager because how many black football managers are there in, at this level? Um, and he's not come through the traditional route. You know, he's he's coached at a top level. I mean, he's been the assistant manager at City and that that ought to be good enough as far as I'm concerned. Um, And people ought to have an open mind about this. I I think it's bitter individuals who don't, who probably, frankly, who played against Vieira, got Mm. left on their arse by Vieira on occasion and are now looking to settle scores um, in an arena in which they're never going to try to compete because they're sat in the studio um, showing how clever they are and taking a big wedge for saying something that anyone could say. Um, 
yeah, I, I really, I think you hit the, the nail on the head when you said it's lazy commentary because there's no comparison whatever between trying to change things overnight, which is what De Boer did, and getting himself sacked in four games after no good results, <laughs> and the yeah. situation that's happened here, where we've played, we've played three games, we've got two points, we've scored two goals. You know, I mean, I, I always said during the Hodgson era that I, you know the closer that the, those numbers are to the number of games played, the happier I am, yeah. and. That's the basis on which I'll judge Vieira is on results over time. And we've got a, a killer string of matches coming up. Um, yep. So that needs to be over the long term. It can't be just rushed overnight. But yeah, I think That's it's it. individual bitterness and stupidity, frankly. Yeah, I mean, it just it is. I mean, it's so, it's so ridiculous for, you know, I, I feel it's ridiculous for anyone not to look at the changes made, which we did in, in the first episode of, of the review show this season, of the match report, I should call it. Um, this season, we you know we talked about the, the significance of the change, the change in coaching staff, the change in playing staff, you know, the fact that we'd lost a lot of experience, and and then to not look at the the fixture list and have at least some awareness that no matter what, no matter what we did this season, the start of this season was going to be a nightmare. You know, it's going to be really, really tough. And we've we've had a you know real bright second half against West Ham, and you know I can't wait to talk more about that. But at the same time, that's not that's not going to change the the difficulty of the games coming up. And you know if we pick up a, a result, an unexpected result in this first you know seven eight games, I'll be I'll believe even more. But you know the fact that people are talking about Vieira in this way, and I, like I say, I've got less of an issue with Palace fans um, having having nerves about the the situation. You know, there were those that, that didn't want to change and, and really felt that the, the job that Hodgson did was undervalued. And there are those out there who, who have serious reservations that we've just gone for a big football name rather than a, an accomplished manager. I get that. And especially if you're a Palace fan, I get the nerves around it. But for pundits and, and media commentators alike, I don't I don't really accept their views on, on not taking into account the, the difficulty of the situation he's come into. But that was a good opportunity to talk about that. Um, but I suppose we should probably also talk about uh, some of the things that did happen in that first half. And, you know, the goal, the goal line clearance for Ward, from Ward from uh, one of the a fair few situations that Anderson found himself in, uh, Chris, was a hell of a clearance from Ward. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what you get with Joel Ward, isn't it? Is he's got that now, so he's got that experience, and he knows the situations that can arise. And that's that's the you know, I think it's undervalued that he's got that match experience at this level to be able to fix other people's individual errors that we've mentioned earlier from the Who Scored report. Um, you know, it it's a classic situation. I was I was listening to I rewatched the highlights earlier preparing for this show. And the commentator at the time actually tried to blame Guaita for that situation. Um, and there clearly was a miscommunication, but whoever's fault it was doesn't really matter. The situation is the ball came off Anderson's head and was going in our goal until Ward you know, and his super fast reactions. So we, we should remember when we're talking about, you know, wanting to get a change and wanting to get a more progressive, um, you know, right back who can do more attacking work, you've got to bear in mind you lose that you know, huge amount of experience. And I think we need to talk about experience at the back as we talk about Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll undoubtedly come to that in, in a bit when we talk about that. And we've got a great question in on that. And But yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's it's I always love it when I get a welcome reminder from Joel Ward about what he does bring to the side. There's a reason he's been around as long as he has. He, you know, I've got a huge amount of respect for him as much as I think as a, as a, you know, we need to look at the right back 
area and, and think about how we can do things a bit differently there you know there's the the dedication and and the you know the forethought there was absolutely superb and, and you know and most of all it's digging your teammates out of a hole you know by by being aware uh, and using your knowledge and your experience to, to you know to get us out of a very difficult situation opening goal nick um, i want to move us on if i can so the opening goal um for me the main issues there is a very good goal from west ham you got to say they they played really well you know absolutely carved us open between antonio and and fornells but for me the th- couple of things that stood out there were were the pace you know antonio is quick you know he is you know he's he's certainly no slouch but breeze past wardy and anderson um and i felt anderson was probably ball watching a little particularly with the ball back to fornells you know ward had, had caught up antonio antonio had slowed down you know, and, and so there was no need for a double marking at that point. And all Anderson needs to do is have a look over his shoulder at where Fornells has gone and, and move to him. But instead, he's been drawn into the ball uh, and leaving Fornells with a with a basically an open goal to pass into. So, Nick, your 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 views on that? You know, the pace being a potential issue down that side in particular. Well, you're talking about Wardy. Wasn't that? A- Brilliant tackle he actually made on Antonio to to stop him from potentially scoring moments before Antonio yeah. got the ball back. So I I felt sorry for Ward there because it was a brilliant tackle and a lot of people have overlooked that. Um, yeah, we were at sixes and sevens at the back there, weren't we? We uh, two or three West Ham players were coming in and not, none of them were really mm. picked up. Um, it was kind of everybody leaving it to everybody else. Um, one of those what was it like that, when that when that went in though? Sorry, Nick, just talk over you. But, but you know, what was the feeling at the ground? You'd had a hard half, and then that goes in. You know, you're away from home. London Stadium actually made some noise at that point. So yeah, how how are you feeling at that point? Kind of inevitable. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, actually, you know, is a, a sense of inevitability. Um, you just go about the talk about the atmosphere very briefly. Um, I don't go to many away games uh, and I've been to a Chelsea and West Ham this year. I can't believe how quiet other teams' grounds are. I don't know whether we're spoiled at Sellhurst, but considering West Ham were top of the league, um, the atmosphere was was a bit rubbish. Now, whether that's down to the stadium design or not, I don't know. But can you imagine the noise at Sellhurst if we were top of the league and, and we had a team coming to play us? It, it was a little bit, ups- well, not upset, but surprising. Um, but the Palace fans kept, kept going on, kept cheering, and I think we actually still had a bit of belief. Uh, I, I, I say inevitability here, I'm kind of contradicting myself here, but we thought that we could still get something <laughs> out of the game. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was um, all hope was not lost. 
couple of different things to come in on um, off the back of what Nick said there. Um, so starting with the noise, um, I mean, this was the best I've ever seen that West Ham stadium in terms of crowd noise. And I don't just mean the goal celebrations. They actually were singing. They were singing some pretty unpleasant things at times, unfortunately, um, as people may have seen on social media. And I won't go into that in detail now, but there are viral clips of some nasty things being sang at at female um, Palace fans by uh, West Ham supporters so-called mm. so that that's not so good but um they were making a lot of noise not just when they scored um you know i mean it still wasn't brilliant it wasn't a palace style atmosphere but it was the best i've ever seen um from them at that ground and i think it, it you know that reflects the fact that they are playing better than they have done at any time that i've that i've seen them play uh previously um i'll also say i have to eat my words about um antonio because i remember about two years ago on this podcast we were linked with him um, coming up to a transfer window, and I said I did. I really didn't want him to come because um, <laughs> I remembered how useless he'd been against us the previous year, and he's been magic ever since. So I'm <laughs> wrong about that. With regard to the goal and the reaction, um, you know, it did feel inevitable, mainly because there'd just been wave after wave after wave, relentless West Ham attacks, and eventually we were going to crack and we were going to make a mistake and they were going to yeah. score. And that was a result of us defending way too deep. Um, I could Half-time couldn't come soon enough. Uh, effectively, for me, it did come um, at half-time because that goal went in on 39-40, which is when I go for a beer. Yeah. So I went immediately after that. Went, <laughs> I said goodbye to DR for 15 <laughs> minutes and went upstairs um, and actually got served quicker than I did at Chelsea or even at Palace um, the week oh, before. Oh, there you so, go. Some positive so, to take from yeah, that. Every, every every cloud and all that, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, fantastic. I'll, I'll give them their due. The, I thought the stadium itself was great, and I, I was worried when people said, "Oh, you can't really see it." Yeah, you are a long way, but it's a fantastic view. It's a good ground, well, and you, it, the service inside is pretty good. You know, I, I was served inside well, five guys, minutes. You know? Yeah, you would expect that though, considering we all paid for it. So, um, and you know, probably still are. Any. And still are, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so well, you know, we'll, let's 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 motor on through the game. Um, obviously, the fantastic thing about you know football is that you you can you know you get that break, you get that chance to reset. And if you've got a manager who's got the ear of the players, if you've got a coaching staff who know what to do and know what to say to change something, um, you know all bets are off. You can come out and you can you can change the match, and that's exactly what we did. It wasn't instant. You know, we have, to, we have to be honest there, you know, from the, from the start of the half, we still looked a little unsure of ourselves, but it was noticeable that, you know, the energy was up, the, the you know, the bite in the tackles was there, you know, the, the pressing was there, we, we decided whatever, whatever the case, we were going to invest a lot more energy in closing the space and, and putting West Ham under pressure. And it did eventually tell. And, you know, the, I think he's done it a couple of times uh, since, since, you know, joining Palace already, but... You know, Mark Gay for for his his role in that was really important. You know, just striding out from the back and playing a simple pass into MacArthur. You know, it doesn't seem like much, but then he continues that run into the box, and all of a sudden that just adds that little bit of uncertainty into the equation, um, which you know I, I really really like. I, you know, I like the fact that he's he's prepared to do that, prepared to back himself as a footballer but you know the ball coming into the box the fantastic flick on from Benteke but then it's all down to Gallagher you know first of all getting himself in there in the penalty area in and around an area where he can score in the six yard box basically you know he's he's, he's forming that extra forward at that point when you really need him 
and just the composure to turn and put it back across the keeper. Just a wonderful moment. And we don't need to overanalyze it anymore. So, Chris, I'll just go to you in terms of, you know, how it felt at the ground, you know, the, the reaction, the, the joy of Palace scoring their first goal of the Patrick Vieira era. Oh, it was fantastic. It was a special moment. Um, you know, DR was up on the seat in front of us, <laughs> um, you know, jumping up and down and waving at the West Ham fans. Um, they'd been giving us stick for a while. Um, so it was sweet to, to one, hear them go quiet, but also just to see the joy on all the faces around all of us. It was, it was absolute madness. Um, the moment that went in and from then on, you know, there was there was just a zip and a confidence in the fan base as well as the players on the pitch. It was just a different game from that moment on. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you know, I first time this year I've been able to shout at my laptop in joy and I, and I very much enjoyed it. I cannot wait to get back to games and I'm, I'm hoping to have a bit more certainty around that very soon um, if things go well. But, you know, right now, right now, too much of a risk and I have to put up with the... Um, the frustration of not being there and not having not having my voice sung her horse by it all. But anyway, um, you know, look, okay, West Ham get back into it. There's no point overanalyzing this either. But it was it was Antonio, great finish. Uh, it was a mistake by Anderson. Seen it loads of times. Loads of loads of defenders will do this. Get caught a little bit under the ball. Um, unfortunate, but also definitely a mistake. You know, so it, we we talked about it previously. You know, the pace of, of Antonio was causing problems all game. You know, his directness is going to cause defenders a, a problem anyway, but especially a defender who has not long been at the club. You know, he's still trying to find his feet, trying to build a partnership with a, with another new player as centre-back. You know, there's no point getting carried away uh, over-analyzing Anderson's performance or anything like that. It was, it, was, it was annoying, but we didn't let it bother us. We didn't let it rock the confidence. We carried on playing our football. And the equaliser, I mean, this it was just a joyous thing, you know. First of all, we, sh- we shouldn't discount the fact that there's some really good football in, in our equaliser. You know, the, the ball was moved around pretty quickly, you know, had a lot of involvement from different players. When that cross comes back in after, I think Zaha's put MacArthur back in to put the ball into the box, you know, we do get some luck. So the cross deflects. And then as Gallagher reaches out his foot, he doesn't control it perfectly first time. It comes off of his foot and hits the shin of the defender and comes back to him a little bit. But from that moment, the skill and the awareness to turn back inside and immediately shoot down into that near corner. Because if he shoots the other corner, which might be the instinct with your right foot to try and you know curl it back in the other corner, keeper might get a touch, but definitely there's a defender there along that line to block it. So the awareness, the kind of 360 vision he's got to, to hit it, the place that he was definitely going to score. You know, you've got to admire it. And and Nick, the, the joy must have been tremendous at the ground. And, and, you know, talk to me a little bit about Gallagher and his game. Well, it was absolute mayhem when the second goal went in. Social distancing completely went out the window. I mean, you've got to remember, <laughs> uh, aside from the Arsenal game last year when Benteke scored, this is our first kind of goal post-pandemic with a full crowd in. So it... it it was like we'd never been away, wasn't it, Chris? It was. It was just, um, just pure joy, hugging strangers, and all the things we're not supposed to do. But kind of the jubilation takes over. Yeah, Gallagher. Um, don't fall in love with lone players. That's the thing, isn't it? It's uh, it's going to be pretty hard to let him go at the the end of the season. <laughs> but but uh, if if indeed we do, let's just hope Chelsea gets somebody a real baller in and decide they don't want him come. Uh, September or June uh, next year. Um, 
Yeah, he he was the box to box midfielder. He was winning winning balls on the edge of our own box. He was making brilliant interceptions throughout the game, and the way he just drifts uh, both the goals, the way he just drifts in unnoticed into the area uh, to 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 make trouble of himself and, and get these goals. And that turn, he said he didn't think about it in the post-match mm. inter- interview. He said it was just instinct and was most yeah. unlike him to do tricks like that, but he wasn't too bothered. Um, he seems quite enamoured with the Palace fans as well, judging by the way he ran up to them. I think uh, he's going to mm-hmm. develop a very good relationship with them. But, yeah, he's, he's the kind of player we need. Um, yeah. An improvement on Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Yeah, I've got a couple of uh, um, things to say on that, really. So, first of all, you're right about his movement into the box. And, you know, you hate to make comparisons, but you you think about how, you know, Lampard played at Chelsea and, and West Ham, how he how many goals he got, you know, and the, and the way he used to drift in and box. But he, he did all the things that Gallagher did. You know, I'm not saying that, that Gallagher's there yet, but, you know, that's he, he has that style about him, you know, and there's that, there's that potential there for him to, to really, you know, be that type of player, you know, a regular goal scorer from midfield um, and doing everything, you know, being real box to box. And he talked about when he spoke to Vieira, didn't he, about how Vieira had that vision for him and knew what he was as a player. And we're, we're seeing that in evidence right now. And also, I think what we should definitely do, as long as we're safe by the last few games, just get him to deliberately play really shit for the last five games. And then Chelsea definitely won't win him <laughs> and we, can, we get to keep him there. So that, that's, you know, get that into place now. All right, listen, I'm going to wrap up the, the game, the, you know, the actual match action talk myself, and then we can talk a bit about a couple of the performances, although we've touched on men- much of that already, uh, before we move on to some of the listener content and bring the show to a close. So obviously, Mark Gay had a fantastic opportunity um, at the death to win it, and, and no, if we're brutally honest about it, should have scored that header, uh, just got a little bit too much on it and put it over the bar. But great work from Ayu, who it's worth talking about. You know, you mentioned it earlier, Nick. You know, he deserved that that starting place after you know the impact off the bench the other week. Um, and really very good game from IU. And every now and then I, I do start to feel like I'm writing him off. Uh, and then he then he puts a real shift in. I still think we need better quality uh, in the front line. And I think, you know, and, and then use IU relatively sparingly. But every now and then he'll, he'll put in a performance like that and be, be huge for us. And, you know, great game from him. You know, got chopped down. Um Free kick came in from from Gallagher. Fantastic delivery on it. Absolutely should have won the game there and then. But hey, you know, I think after the first half, perhaps that would have been a little bit unjust so I can live with it. Um, And also picking out from the notes, um, there was that moment right at the end of the game where Coyote clearly fouled. There's no... He has not even any doubt about it. He's you know, striding forward with the ball, gets clipped because he goes down in instalments, as the phrase is, gets nothing from the ref, but clearly clipped. And then there's a there's a two-on-one break uh, initially, but I think a combination of, of Mark Gay getting back pretty quickly and, and Antonio not quite making the right decisions there meant that uh, the Guaita was able to, to collect the cross in the box and um, and we got away with it a little would bit. The, but that would have been hugely unjust. Would the current VAR rules, I'm not sure how they've changed there, would they have been able to review the foul on Coop, the supposed foul on I, I don't think not? so. No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think that. I mean, they might have done. It's a goal, so there's a potential for them to try and look for a clear error there. But you know, the proximity of the ref. It's it's all about whether the ref would overrule his decision. I think in that in that case. But it would have been. I would have hoped for it, but not expected it. And 
yeah, absolutely tra- travesty of a, of a refereeing decision there, and I, I didn't really get it. But so let's let's jump into some of the the you know the, the performance analysis. We've talked a lot about the defence already. Really great questioning from 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 Sam Clacker, the wonderful producer uh, of this show. Um, and she asks, would it have been better to retain more experience, i.e., Dan or Cahill, or drop Kiate to the back to bed in the newbies and. You know, we've talked about it, and, and Nick, I'm going to get you to answer this one. You know, is it is it a really big risk that we're taking to to put two new centre backs in in one go, or perhaps is there an argument to say that's the quickest way for them to develop a partnership? Yes, no, I, I, I kind of <laughs> agree with you there. I mean, my only thing was was something uh, somebody said last week. I can't remember if it was on this show or the review show about. Um, our young uh, left back of Tyreek, Tyreek, uh, Mitchell. Mitchell, having that experience next to him, talking him through the game. That was the only thing I was a little bit worried about. Um, Anderson did look a bit lost on a couple of occasions. Um, but if you're not going to get them in, they're not going to learn, are they? Um, Cahill, we didn't want to pay his wages just for the odd appearance I don't think I don't think he'd, he'd have been happy with that we wouldn't have been happy with paying that much and we needed to free up the wages anyway so I, I think it was kind of needs must there in the first place and again with Dan do we want to keep somebody on our wage bill when we want to change the team and change the way we play so it's kind of a false economy and we're just going to have to put up with it I think and Kuarte he did seem a bit Indeed. better in his position uh a lot better than making def- mistakes in defence, I feel. Carrying the ball forward a little bit more than he has been. For sure. Okay. Good time. We won't dwell too much more on that. So, Chris, talk to me about Wilfred Zaha. Well, he, he clearly was back on it. Um, you know, he's playing with, playing with passion, um, playing with enthusiasm. Had some fantastic moments of skill. Um, you know, I, I, it was during the second half. There was a moment where where the ball came to him, and I, I cannot even. I don't think it even made the highlights, which was bizarre. Um, but he controlled the ball. I think it was with his chest and turned with it at the same time, and you know, and then made an attacking run. And there, there was another one where he won the ball with his head and was clearing on goal before um, the referee then decided there'd been a foul in that move. Um, he really was playing uh, impressively in that second half and was was an absolute driving force. I, you know, I, I can't even explain the difference between um, what it was like last week where he was he just seemed disconnected from his teammates and just, you know, the game on Saturday where mm. he was absolutely you know, on it and leading that fight back in the second half. I think he really needed Palace to score a goal as well. You know, you saw his celebrations. He ran over to you guys in the crowd. Absolutely ecstatic. You know, there's there's a few pictures out there of the look on his face. You can't, that's not a fake look. You know, that joy is is absolutely etched on his face. And I think he needed that. He needed the, the joy of Palace scoring a goal. He needed a, a, the joy of contributing to that, you know, and, and just seeing that the, the new methods working come into fruition, you know, and that's when you start to believe in the things that you're being told and it makes such a difference to the team. So I think he needed that. And, you know, thinking about the things that he did, Chris, I don't, I think it might be the same thing that we're talking about, but when he, when he c- controlled the ball near the line, you know, turned and within a f- about three, 
sort of well, you know three half three moments of a second i'm trying to think of the word three hundredths of a second he's already seen Ayu start to make a run down the line when he's not even looking at him i don't know how he's done it and the ball that he played between the two defenders into the path of Ayu to run onto and, and, and start down the side it's absolute world class you know and you it, people just have got way too in their heads about wilfred zaha he's you know, you you give him the ball in the right areas, you get people in and around him, and he will hurt teams. And, you know, we saw in that second half that we can do that. We can really do that. And he will, you know, he'll go with it and he'll lift that team. Um, you know, once we get a few more bodies in and around the squad as well, and people are really fighting for their place, that's all going to lift. And, and things, you know, just to me, it just bodes well for us. Um, so there was plenty more we could have talked about there, but I'm going to have to move us on to some of the listener reactions. So Chris, just take us through a few, few of the forward reviews. Then we've got a couple of questions before we end. Yeah, so inevitably most of the forward reviews are about Conor Gallagher, so apologies for um, not uh, majoring on that. It just you know, meant that um, it was better to kind of focus on some of the other things. So at here for the ops said, starting to have confidence. At Jed underscore die said, our confidence came back, theme there. Um, someone called at Nick Gusset said, stick your jelly deals up your arse. Uh, at big digit ol, ol, uh, finished the game stronger. And at 564 Park, surprised, impressed, happier skills. Um, but then, you know, so that, there's some themes there about, about the positive second half. But then Selhurst John says, should have come out from the start and played like the second half. Still need to be quicker on the ball and definitely need a striker and a winger still. Arsenal have been shit and lost three games, but one win and they're above us. Need to win games, I'm afraid. So let, let's, let's see. Hambo, how do you react to that? I mean, he's right. We need to win games. I'm not going to argue with that part of it. Um, I think, you know, it is a harder thing to do. Uh, I've said it myself as well. I've said, you know, I've seen Palace go behind in games regularly and all of a sudden start to play football. Um, but I think we've we've really touched on the issue. It's, it's a mentality thing. You know, we haven't been, you know, free-flowing. We've had a tough start to the season. So much has changed and, and we needed something to make the team believe um, and i and i you know i fundamentally believe that the effort was definitely different in the second half but it wasn't until that goal as nick talked about as you've talked about as i've talked about it wasn't until that goal that it really clicked and it really came together and that missing ingredient was suddenly there so you know i i take john's point i think you know being quicker on the ball yeah we've got to be but i think quicker and braver on the ball you know and and making sure we're giving our you know, our you know, teammates better options for a pass. Too often we see it, you know, particularly when we go down the flanks, the ball ends up in one of the fullbacks and they look up and their options are back to the keeper or punt the ball down the line. That's where we've got to be better and that will be driving Vieira mad because he knows what it takes to you know to have a team play passing football. You know, he's been he was part of that his whole life. So he knows what's needed and what's needed is movement and commitment to to thinking about the options and thinking about your teammates. So, um, but again, so most of what I, what John said, I believe, is correct. We do need a winger, someone to play on the right or left, depending on where where Zaha wants to go. And absolutely, still need a striker. We still need somebody up there competing with the other forwards, and somebody who's who's able to put chances away on a regular basis. And so, not going to argue with that. It's, um, um, it's sorry. It's very it. difficult to to make a judgment until a the transfer win is over and b we we Vieira's had a few more games under his belt. Um, I think it was Patrick who said before at New York, 
it took him five or six games for them to click. And they were bloody brilliant after that. So we, we can't undo mm. five years of staidness overnight. And I, I genuinely believe that it will come and we, we you're going to play this back to me at the end of the season. But I, I genuinely believe this can be one of our most exciting seasons in the last 15, 20 years. I really do. I hope so. Um, okay, so a few more questions. I'm going to have to skip a few. Um, so I'm going to, going to get the low-hanging fruit first, and then I'll fire a couple at you guys. Um, so Louis Tidy has asked, is Elisa available for Spurs in two weeks? Simple answer to that is we don't know. Um, the route, the suggestions are that he's he's heading back to full training. I don't know if he's quite in full training yet, but uh, but he's he's doing well and pretty much ahead of schedule. Uh, in terms of recovering from the injury that he had, which I believe was only a shoulder injury anyway. So hopefully he's been doing a bit of work, in, um, you know, non-contact work and shouldn't take too long to get back in. Um, it'd be great to have him as an option. He was superb for Reading last year. And, you know, we want to see we want to see him in a Palace shirt, don't we? Um, Caroline, too, got in touch and said, would Gyro improve our set-piece delivery? I didn't see too much wrong with Conor Gallagher, to be honest with you. And it's nice to have options out there. That, you know, Luca and Townsend in the last couple of years, mainly and you know, obviously Eze coming in and and, and having an, an involvement there. But, you know, Gyro can hit a fantastic corner, some great floated balls in the box, but he's got to get in the team first. Go on, Chris. I just wanted to bring in the um, fact of the really awful free kick that Gallagher took. I, I can't, I think it was in the first half because we were still, we were definitely either behind or um, had we definitely hadn't scored at that point because, you know, obviously from the moment we scored, the whole atmosphere changed. But there was a moment where um, we got a free kick. It was in um, the, uh, it must have been in the first half because of where it was. Um, so it was towards, it was on the left hand side, and it was an opportunity to either float a ball in or pass it to Zaha. And what he tried to do was pass it into the corner for Zaha, but um, he, he overhit it so much that it ended up, it nearly hit the corner flag. And Everyone in our end at that stage had their head in their hands. Um, it was, you know, really toe curlingly bad. Um, it's important to mention that because obviously he then put in one of the best performances in a Palace shirt in a second half for a very, very <laughs> long time. But it's important to remember that you know that happened first as well. He's a, he's he's fallible. He's a human being. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. But um, yeah, so thank yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, I think um, tackling Keith's com- Keith Powell's comment um, whether Butland should come in or not. I'm just going to say on this that you know you change your defence above in front of a goalkeeper, the goalkeeper's going to be impacted by that. You know we, we've seen that in the past and we'll see it again, I'm sure. But it is a situation we should keep an eye on. You know, Guaita is a fantastic goalkeeper, uh, but Butland's a very inco- accomplished goalkeeper as well. So you know there's certain elements of, of maybe I understand some concern about but Guaita so far, but you know. I've got I've got faith in the guy, but something something to keep looking at, and I'm sure we'll revisit throughout the course of the season. Um, I'm going to quickly mention um, James has asked why we're even looking at Edward. Obviously, a lot of striker rumours at the moment. Edward's definitely one of them. We're being linked with heavily by certain areas of the press, as is Eddie Nketiah, which some people are saying is quite close to being done if we can agree a fee. I think that came from the Athletic, who tend to get these right. But Edward might also be an option we're looking at, or it might be something that the club have put in the press 
to put a bit of pressure on Arsenal because the transfer window's coming up. Um, so, you know, it's something worth thinking about there. And also rumours around uh, Borja Mayoral from uh, Real Madrid, who was on loan at Roma last year, which is an incredible uh, option when you think about it. Very talented player. Zidane compared him to Raul uh, in terms of talent. So it wouldn't be, wouldn't be too bad to get a player of that calibre. 17 goals last season, I think 10 in Serie A and, and seven in, in cup competitions. So, yeah, would would, would love that, um, but I'm not sure how likely it is. But we just have to wait and see. We need a striker. And the answer to that, James, is because we need a forward. You know, Edward is someone that um, I keep, I've forgotten our, our development guy's name now, but the French guy we got who we worked with Edward at PSG uh, when he was in the youth system there. I would say that's probably why we're looking at him uh, as much as we've scouted him before. But we'll see if that has any reality to it as the transfer window closes so finally uh, Nick Chris I'll um, I'll get some very short views on you for this so Magic 3 CPFC has got in touch and said now have we seen a change in the direction and instruction for Jimmy Mack he's moving forward with a lot more purpose how many goals do you think we'll see him score or assist I'll start with you Nick Um, I think we'll see him assist more than he scores Um, I'm just going to pick a number out of the air. I think he'll <laughs> assist with six and he'll score three. No, he's, he's more impetus to him. Um, giving him the cap, captain's armband um, against yeah. Chelsea showed him that he is well-respected and a, a, you know, a highly thought-of figure at the club. And actually, he's a bloody good player and we missed him last season when he was out injured for a long spell. Whether he can uh, sustain it, as you said earlier, we don't mm. know. Uh, it, it does make me think, you know, these players that have got to come back from injury and players we might be getting in, who makes way for them? Uh, if Jimmy Mack keeps playing like this, mm, um, he, he doesn't want to lose his place. So it's it's great for the whole squad, isn't it? It is. Uh, any f- further thoughts, Chris, before we end? Well, I mean, he, you know, he's clearly a very, despite the fact he always, always looks knackered, he always gives his heart for the team and he loves to score. I, I can see him getting five this season. Um, you know, I mean, he won't play as many games, but I can see him being in those positions where he benefits from having more creative players around him and hopefully, you know, either touches it off to someone else to score or scores one or two himself. So I reckon, yeah, five, five goals, five assists. I love both of your literal answers in answering that question. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, I'll uh, I'll leave that there. Not going to not going to speculate myself. So thank you, obviously, to to Chris and to Nick uh, and to myself for producing today as well. Although Mikey will edit later, so I suppose I'd give him a thanks as well. Uh, thank you very much to all of you for listening. Especially uh, thanks to everyone who got in touch with the show today, whether we used your message or not. Genuinely helps us put a show plan together every single week. We read them all. We don't use them all, obviously, because there's a limited amount of time. But it's brilliant to get every every element of contact that we get. So like, follow, subscribe on all our social accounts. And obviously, check out the YouTube channel where you'll get live reaction to matches and so much more. Uh, with three matches into the season and already it's an international break coming. So the preview team will be back uh, the week after to look ahead to our home game against Spurs. We'll be doing a live show on YouTube on Transfer Deadline Day as well. So keep an eye on all of our socials for details of that. And until next time, come on you Palace! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans.